Welcome to Spiritual Grit, the podcast where we talk real talk about spirituality through the lens of activism and social justice. What happens when activism and spiritual practices collide? What sparks of change call for the grit we need to create meaningful strides in social justice? I'm your host, Leslie Ann Hobayan, poet, priestess, activist, professor, hip-hop dancer, and badass mama. Join me as we dive in to learn more about our deepest selves so that we can be better ancestors to create a stellar world for our descendants. Grab your dancing shoes and let's get groovy with the grit right now. Hello loves, welcome to another episode of Spiritual Grit. Spiritual grit. How are you on this beautiful day? Um, I don't know. I'm in a weird sing-songy kind of mood. Hopefully, I will not be singing the episode, though that would be really funny. Um, but I also could see how it could get annoying after a while. So, hope you're having a beautiful day wherever you are. That you are able to trust that if you are not experiencing a beautiful moment right now this too shall pass. Nothing lasts forever. And so let us be in the moment. You know, let us not put adjectives on it. So there's no good or bad. It's just the experience. This is what it is. And we can gather information from this experience. Okay. Whether it's a beautiful day or not so beautiful. Um, Okay. So welcome to the show. I have pulled a card for you today from the Lightseer's Tarot deck, and this is the Six of Swords. Now, when I pulled this card before I hit record, I was like, oh, swords coming for me again, (laughs) coming for us again. Um, So let me describe the card, the Six of Swords. There is an image of a rowboat, and there's a young woman who's standing in the rowboat. It's a very... Um, the color palette is very ominous. It's um, some greens, you know, some aqua greens, but very shadowy in hue. Uh, she's got a bright red wrap around her. She's wearing a gray dress and she's holding a suitcase. And there are what they look like to be crows or ravens, probably ravens. I'm trying to tell from the shape of the feathers on their wings. And three of them are pulling the boat forward to shore while the other three are off in the distance. So this is what the guidebook says. This card is about transitions, help arriving at the perfect time, rites of passage, healing, moving beyond trauma or shadows of the past, support from others, personal evolution, a spiritual transition or journey. So that's not as bad as I thought it was going to be. Usually with swords, it gets sharp, pun intended. (laughs) So here we go. You are moving through a period of realignment and things can feel turbulent during these times of transition. Trust that a better future awaits you on the other side of this change. Maybe you're going through a rite of passage or an intense spiritual transformation. These experiences are profoundly personal and you may feel alone right now. I feel that, my friends, just going to say that as a sidebar. Uh, Even when it is difficult to accept assistance from others, remain open to receiving help from the most unexpected of places. 
Allow the gentle support of the universe to move you through this ocean of evolution and lean towards silver linings on the horizon. Hmm. More sunshine? Yes, please. Sometimes we find ourselves adrift because we think we are ready to move on, but our heart is still anchored to the past. What old chapter needs to be closed? Hmm. Important question. Chase guidance in the form of renewed hope and get ready to explore fresh beginnings on the opposite shore. And so the mantra for this card is, I accept help as I easily cross this transition. And the timing of this is so interesting because we just had the full moon. Now, at the time of this recording, uh, we're still very much in the full moon energy, full moon in Capricorn. And uh, actually, the time of the publishing of this episode still has a little bit of that full moon vibe to it. Full moon energies last about three days before and after the the moment that the moon goes exactly full moon. Um, and so with full moon in Capricorn, it is an invitation. Well, at least this particular one, there's an invitation for softness, for healing, to put down the things that that aren't helping you anymore, to close the chapter as this card has presented for us. So, and I, f- it's so funny because I feel like a broken record. I'm always saying, let go, release, make space for the new, you know, but this is a continual process. And so I'm going to keep saying it over and over again. And I'm just going to repeat it because it bears repeating. I mean, it's worth repeating. It's, it's a reminder always because our egos get stuck in the material world. Our egos get stuck and we're like, wait, I thought I healed this. I thought we're done with this. I thought this happened already. Like I thought I moved on, but you know what? There are layers, layers beneath what we know that start to surface. And when things surface, it's like, oh, they're ready to be released. And so I'm going to keep saying it. So this full moon in Capricorn is about releasing the things that are weighing you down, to put down those unnecessary tasks on your to-do list, for example, and to create space for care for self, like truly caring for yourself. Now, as typical of the American society, the West has co-opted the term self-care for it to lose its meaning, its genuine meaning. Like, you know, in, in capitalism, self-care is seen as like going to get a pedicure, not that there's anything wrong with that, or, you know, retail therapy or whatever. But do those things actually provide care for your soul? Not so much. I mean, pedicures feel good. I mean, for me, that feels like self-care because I'm taking care of my feet. It's not about looking fancy on the toes. It's like removing the calluses because, you know, I've got calluses (laughs) and it's just allowing for someone to care for me physically. Um, It feels nice, but not, I can't always do that, you know, in terms of that, that would cost a lot of money if I did that on the regular. Um, Of course, you know, money is relative, but I digress. Uh, But what are you doing for your soul? How are you caring for your soul? Are you taking the time to pause? Are you taking the time to just check in with the heart? You know, and that is what this um, full moon is about and this card. So there is also opportunities for healing with this particular full moon. And this card is pointing towards that as well. So these two coming together is not an accident, not a coincidence. The cards never lie and they're always coming at the right time, at the divine time. And so 
I'm thinking about care and communities of care and communities in general. You know, these are the topics that I've been ruminating on the last several episodes. And I want to say, well, a couple things. First, so there's two things that come to mind that I want to talk about is first the Broadway show Here Lies Love, which is about Imelda Marcos. And it's an all Filipino cast, um, all Filipinos backstage, stage crew, you know, all these like majority Filipinos involved in this whole thing. And then I want to talk about um, Trisha Hersey's book, Rest is Resistance, right? And so those two come together to create, for me, community of care, community of, you know, just being. And, okay, so rest. Let's just talk about rest first. We, now bear with me, I've only started her book, um, so I'm not really deep into it. I've just gotten to the tenets of her rest is resistance um, practice, which is amazing. And I'm like, oh my God, yes, 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 yes. But a lot of things that she's saying are now resonating with me in ways that are different, that deepen my understanding of things a bit more. So I wanted to share that with you. So I have um, talked about how we are worthy simply because we are here. We don't have to earn worthiness. We don't have to like heal anything to be worthy of, you know, naps, for example, or worthy of love. We are worthy simply because we exist, because we are born, because we chose to incarnate here. If we weren't worthy, then maybe we wouldn't be on this planet. I don't know. I don't know. But it's not about binaries, right? We're not talking about worthy and not worthy. We're talking about inherent worthiness that's just in your being. You are worthy because you are here, right? And so I was listening to her her book because audiobooks are my thing right now. And she was talking about how we are all divine. We are all divinity. We are all from source. And this is, you know, along the lines of what I have been talking about all along. And as I'm listening to her talk about our divinity and how we don't need to earn rest, we don't need to earn the right to a nap. It's not a privilege. It is built into who we are being as human beings. Rest is a necessity as a human being, right? I mean, if we just talk about the physiology we need to sleep so that our cells can restore, so that they can do all the little inner workings that they do while we're sleeping, which is to, you know, get rid of the old cells that have died and regenerate new ones, you know, cleanse the, the blood and, and just restore. There's so much that happens in the body while we're sleeping. It's a restoration. And a lot of our culture communicates this idea that sleep is for the weak, <laughs> you know, that sleep can be sacrificed, that sleep is not essential to our livelihood, which is a lie, which is a lie. Because if you think about it, yeah, sure, you can pull an all-nighter, but don't you feel like garbage, you know, for days after that? 
And if you're like, nope, I feel great, whatever, you're lying, you know, because eventually your body is going to shut down and say, you know what, I've had enough of this abuse, we're going to get, you know, taken out, could be shown up as like extreme fatigue or illness or autoimmune disease, whatever, you know, the body knows what it needs. And if you don't give the body what it needs, it will demand it of you in one way or another. So you can either go the agreeable route or you can have the body teach you a lesson, <laughs> you know? So I'm, yeah. So then to come back to divinity, right? The body needs rest. So it's not even, it's, it's not even a choice of, am I worthy of rest? It needs rest. Physically, the body needs rest. But if we think about it, and this is this is sort of like, for me, I was like a little aha moment when I was driving. I was like, what? If you think about it, we are part of source, right? Let's just say we're, we're part of God. We are divine. We are divine souls in a holy temple called the body. Now, imagine for a moment that you are God, right? I mean, I believe that we all are in in some manner, some way, shape, or form, right? But imagine you are God, the God that you perceive God to be. You know, like when I was a kid growing up, God was this father figure, old man in the sky kind of thing, right? And, you know, he was, he sent his only son, Jesus, to, you know, to save us from our sins. This is the Catholic teachings, Right. And so I'm thinking about this and I'm like, okay, let's pretend I'm God or maybe God is like right next to me or whatever. And someone says to God, you know what? No, you're not worthy of um, anything. You're not worthy of love. You're not worthy of rest. You're not worthy of my friendship, actually. I mean, could you imagine? (laughs) I mean, I'm just thinking about that. Like, how bizarre does that sound? It's like, and again, I'm speaking from my own upbringing as as a Catholic, right? Where my perception, my belief, my understanding of God is that God, the universe, source, whatever, is all-knowing, all-powerful. When I say powerful, I don't mean in that like, I'm wielding all power against you, whatever. No, I mean powerful as in like, I create the earth. I created the trees. I created all these things. Like, you too can do that stuff. Do you know, like, that's what I mean by all powerful, all knowing, like just everywhere, omniscient, you know, and, and magical, like, oh, the universe just, you know, delivered a bird by my window because I missed cardinals or whatever it is. And, and then for someone to turn around and be like, you know what? No, sorry, God, you're not worthy. You're not worthy of my time. You're not worthy of love. You're not worthy of rest. No, you just got to keep going, keep grinding. And I was like, how absurd does that sound? It sounds so absurd. So how are we different from God? I mean, I know there might be some people be like, well, we got bodies and God doesn't, whatever. I mean, the point is, if we can accept and embrace and claim that we are divine, that the body's 
we inhabit our sacred spaces, then one, we know that we're worthy of all things just because we are here, right? Because we are divine. We're here. We're worthy. I'm worthy of the chocolate. I'm worthy of the nap. I'm worthy of love from myself. Like I got love inside me and I love myself. I'm worthy of other people's love too. If they want to, if they want to share it with me, cool. You know, and also I'm worthy of rest. I'm worthy of honoring what my body needs and not falling prey to the capitalist systems that say you need to do X, Y, Z, and it needed to have been done yesterday. And then I will decide whether or not you are worthy of my presence, you know, or something like that. So it's important for us to remember, right? It's about remembering who we are and to understand that we're working We're living and operating within a system that is designed to treat us like robots, like machines. I mean, how many of us have said, okay, I'm just going to work a little bit more. I just want to get this one thing done, you know, and and then I'll turn off my computer or whatever. Oh, I'll work until this time, like way past the time or whatever it is, because we're under this impression that everything is urgent, which it's not if you think about life before technology, life before the industrial revolution, right? We need to put things into perspective as far as what is important and what is not. When I say what's important, if you are on your deathbed, are you thinking about the to-do list that's on your kitchen table? No, you're thinking about who you need to see before you go who you want to love before you depart this earth, right? Who you want to spend time with. You're not thinking about that to-do list. You're not thinking about, you know, I don't know, like who's going to make dinner. (laughs) I mean, those things are important, but it's about putting perspective on those things. It's about understanding and right-sizing the things that are in this material world that are tugging at us to understand that we are in a capitalist system that has us believe that our worthiness is measured by the amount of things we produce, by how much work we do, by how many hours we put in, by how much money we make. That is not a measure of our worth. Our worth is immeasurable. We are abundant And it's hard to remember that when you've got all of these messages coming at you that are saying, oh, look at this new thing that you need to to buy with your hard-earned money. Oh, look at this thing that, you know, this person has accomplished. And because they made six figures in their business, it means that they are more worthy of my time than you or whatever it is. You know, I'm just making up stuff as I go. But can we slow down? Can we slow down and come back to ourselves, to our bodies? I'm not saying put aside and forget about the very real responsibilities of this material 3D world. What I'm saying is to slow down, 
to pause, to really be in tune with your body and to remember your divinity and to say, hey, okay, you know what? I'm going to try my best to not get wrapped up in the go, go, go energy of this society, of this culture, and I'm going to interrupt it. I'm going to interrupt it by pausing in the middle of my day. I'll put a timer on and I'll close my eyes, rest my eyes for one full minute for 60 seconds in the middle of the day. I'll be at my desk, whatever, put my timer on. I'm going to close my eyes and rest and daydream. This is one of the things that Trisha Hersey is talking about. You know, she's she started the, the NAP ministry and she's known as the bishop and she's amazing. And I've been following her on Instagram for a while, but it wasn't until I started reading the book that I really understood what she is doing, what she is inviting us to remember with regard to rest. Rest is resistance to capitalism, to this illusion of having to accomplish things in order to feel worthy, in order to feel productive, in order to feel like a real person you know, and it's, it's not about that. It's about, yes, you can do the things that you need to do to pay the bills. You need to work the job. Yes. But can you interrupt that demand, that flow of go, go, go by resting? That's what she's talking about. And it does, it it can start small. It could just be, you know, 60 seconds in your car, close your eyes before you go into the office. You know, it can be, you know, taking some deep breaths for 10 seconds before you make a phone call. It could be putting away your phone for five minutes and not checking notifications or whatever it is and just being in your body, feeling the sensations in your body interrupting that flow of demand and trying to meet those demands is resistance. And so I'm just like, wow, this is all like amazing for me to think about and to share with you because, you know, all this time I've been saying you're worthy because you are here. You can, you know, tune into yourself and know which way to go. And you don't have to go, go, go all the time. And now I have a deeper understanding, a deeper nuanced understanding of what it means to rest. So y'all should go get the book. I'm not, you know, getting paid to say that. I'm not, um, you know, yeah, I'm just, I'm endorsing it because it is going to change the world if it hasn't already. It is amazing in thinking about rest as revolution, as a refusal to participate in the capitalist white supremacist structures that have us burning out, all of us. Why are we burning out? Why do we think that the things we are doing are going to help us become better people when we're already better? You know, it's, it's really about turning inward and seeing the wounds and the stories, the lies that we've been told and clearing those away and let, letting them 
peel away so that we can heal and get back to our essence, our divine essence that knows we are worthy of rest. So this is part of the care I'm talking about, right? It's the care for self. But also, when we care for ourselves, we will then be better equipped to provide care for others who need our support. And it's it's a reciprocal thing. It's not, you know, take care of yourself and then no one else is going to help you. No, no. When I'm imagining communities of care, there is reciprocity. There is exchange. There is community. You know, it's it's support. It's connection. It's I want to help you because I'm actually in a good place right now where I feel solid in who I'm being and I know it's not going to last forever. So let me help you now because when it's time for me to go through whatever changes or upheavals or even just like low moments, I know that you're there to support me. So yeah, this is what I mean by care and communities of care. So if we can allow ourselves rest and encourage others to rest with us and maybe have others reflect back to us when we get wrapped up in the go, 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 have others hold us accountable and be like, hey, you know what? Remember we were talking about rest. Oh yeah. Okay. Rest is care. And so can we come back to that kind of relationship with other people? where we genuinely have care for others and ourselves. And when we care for others to not have this automatic, well, I did that for you. What are you going to do for me? You know, like the quid pro quo thing. It's, it's, that's part of the capitalist system. Can we just care for each other? Because we genuinely do. Because we want to see our fellow human beings thrive. We're meant to thrive. It's, you know, the survival thing, that is part of the system that we're in. If we are kept in survival mode, then we can't do anything to change an up, up, turn, up, I can't even talk, (laughs) upturn the system. No, break down the system, dismantle the system. You know, if we are in survival mode, right, we are only focusing on surviving. But if we can thrive, knowing that we are secure in who we are, in who we're being, And knowing, you know, that we've got our own wounds to heal, yeah. But if we can thrive, we can begin to dismantle the systems that are oppressing us. Because we've got that energy, right? And so we need to think about how can we thrive? How can we move out of survival mode into thriving within communities of care? Because moving out of survival mode requires healing. And healing as I said before, is a lifelong process. But that shouldn't discourage us from continuing the path of healing. It should just be this thing. Okay, we're going to heal here and then we're going to thrive and then we're going to heal some more and thrive some more, you know, and we're going to do it in community because I know there are people who have, who are on the, on the path of healing that maybe they can learn from what I've learned because I'm on a little farther ahead on my path of healing, or maybe they're ahead on their path of healing and they can share with me what they've done so that I could try that out too. You know, this is what community is. It's an exchange, an exchange of ideas, of support, of love, of worthiness, of um, care, all these, all these things. 
And so I just, that's what I want. (laughs) That's what I want, a community of care. I want to build that community of care where we can come together and support each other so that we can all thrive. And I know that this has been a hard ask because people are more reluctant to reach out. People are more reluctant to make connections with strangers. People are more reluctant to even leave their houses, right? Because of what has happened since 2020, our ways of being and interacting with each other have shifted dramatically. And no one really knows. I mean, no one knows how they want to respond now. You know, some people are are super cautious. Some people are like not wanting to put the effort in to, to connecting with others. Like, oh, I'm good in my little office with Zoom. I'm cool. Yeah, I'm going to be a hermit now, <laughs> you know? And others are like looking for someone to connect with, but where do you do that? How do you do that? Because everyone's sort of in their own little pod. So building a community and a community of care takes a little bit more effort. And so I invite you to reach out to me if you want to join in on this community of care I'm building. Uh, You can message me, DM me on Instagram at Leslie Ann Hobayan. Or you can email me at leslieann at suryagian.com. And so that's leslieann, L-E-S-L-I-E-A-N-N, at surya, it's S-U-R-Y-A, gian, G-I-A-N, all one word, dot com. I'll put the info in the show notes so you can see it visually. But yeah, it's it's really about just taking that first step. You know, it's not like, hey, we're going to meet and instantly, bang, become a, a community of of supporting care. No, it takes time. It takes trust. It's a slow process. And that's one of the things that Trisha Hersey is putting in her book is that this whole thing, the rest is resistance movement is slow. And that's the point. Creating a community that's really invested in connection and support and care takes time. It is slow. But you can start by reaching out. You can start by just saying, hey, I'd really love to be part of this. What can we do? And then we could just get together, have coffee, we can talk, we can, you know, do some meditation together. I don't know, whatever. We can knit, whatever it is. But let's begin by making contact and then go from there. One step at a time, my friends. I know I said I was going to read, uh, I was going to talk about Here Lies Love. And, uh, and that feels like a whole other episode of its own because representation matters, my friends. Representation is so powerful for those of us in the diaspora, for those of us who have immigrant parents and were born here, born and raised in the States and everything you saw was white. TV shows, movies, everything. And you're just like, okay, you know, because we don't often like walk around with a mirror, right? Checking ourselves out. Oh, okay, this is me. I'm a brown person. No, often the way we perceive the world is through what we see out of our own eyes. So if we're surrounded by white people, then we perceive ourselves to be similar in some way. I mean, of course, that doesn't resonate 100% because you know that you're different. But 
you see that as the norm, you begin to think, okay, if this is the norm and I'm not the norm, I'm going to shape myself in any way possible in order to fit the norm, which then becomes damaging and leads into, you know, various versions of trauma, little T trauma and big T trauma. Um, so representation really truly matters. And, uh, Seeing Here Lies Love, which is a, a musical now on Broadway, which is so freaking exciting um, because it's all Filipino cast, all Filipino, you know, stage crew, set design, all these kinds of things. And there's some non-Filipinos in there sprinkled in, but for the most part, all Filipinos. And um, the story is about Imelda Marcos and her rise to power. It starts with her as a young girl in um, – a town, Leite, and it, and it just follows her progress um, to become the first lady married to the dictator, you know, and it's so interesting to see that trajectory. And she's still alive now, which is, which is so fascinating to me. Um, and I, I, I'm just like, I'm so curious about who she is as a person behind closed doors, you know, uh, but the experience was phenomenal, and I found myself crying, um, not like weeping, sobbing, but like tears in my eyes because I was so moved by the fact that there were brown people, people who looked like me, people who looked like my family, on a stage, singing, dancing, Wearing the traditional um, mestiza dresses with the turno, with the puffy sleeves, and Tagalog happening in some of the in some of the lines, I was like, "What?" It was so moving and powerful for me. It was a version of home that I was like, "I didn't know this was possible." And so, yeah, it was like phenomenal. And then just in terms of what they're doing with the performance of the show. It's an all encompassing experience. It really is. There's a moving stage. You can have floor seats on the dance floor. A phenomenal experience. I mean, y'all just got to go check it out, especially if you're Filipino, because it is powerful stuff. Um, so yeah, so that's my spiel. I can talk about representation mattering another time, but I wanted to get that in because they are currently in previews. And I think the full opening of the show is coming soon, um, maybe in the next week or so. But yeah, so go see it. And that's my, again, I'm not getting paid for that. I'm just sharing what I love. <laughs> Okay, friends. So here, um, I'm going to close the episode with a poem from The World I Leave You, Asian American Poets on Faith and Spirit. And we're just going to flip through the pages and see what we land on. Um, I feel like I read this one already. So we're going to go to the one next to it. Okay. I think I read this one too. Maybe I've read all the poems in this book. I'm not sure. But let us try again. Okay. Yeah, I read that one too. <laughs> okay, here we go. Let us read this one by Christian Dietrich. I totally did not say that last name right, but I did my best. Okay, this is called Conversion. I do not know the source that brings us light. Think Paul. Think Conversion. 
with a fervor and emptiness of some white hot vat of liquid steel. We do not all fall upon such strokes of instant shocking fright that leave us so complete, yet I praise the wholeness of some lonely thing, the woman at her porch who slowly drags her cigarette and feels the final fleeting bite of embers die upon her feet. My grief resists such unfamiliar touch, its grace compelling us toward what we don't know. O unwilled electric surge of spine, of mind, of force beyond all my now known reckoning, make me lie down, teach me to be small. (sighs) Wow. All right. That's it, my friends. I hope you have a beautiful week, and I hope that you create some time for yourself to rest. Again, even if it's just 60 seconds of closing the eyes and just daydreaming, how wonderful, how restorative that can be. Try it for a week, see what happens. All right. And on that note, my friends, the divine light in me bows to the divine light in you. Until next time, namaste. If you're feeling like fighting the good fight is bringing you down and hope is starting to fade, grab my free seven-day meditative challenge, Spark Joy in Chaos, by signing up for my newsletter, which will be more light to your inbox. Go to suryagiyan.com slash subscribe.